0: Your bottom, son of a silly person! I'll blow my nose on you, so-called Arthur King! You and all your silly English kniggets! What a strange person. Now look here, my good man! I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough wiper! I fart in your general direction! Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt
1: of elderberry. When you say but, you've said a lot of things nobody else can say. When you say but,
2: you've gone as far as you can go to get the very best.
3: When you say but, you've said... a beer
4: that's got a taste, that's number one. When you say but, you tell the world you know what makes it all the way. When you say bye, you say you care.
5: Oh. Another public service announcement from real Cream.
6: Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on just
4: Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger. We'll go. It's just good as time.
6: The complete solution for your home
1: PC.
6: Just can't get up that high Hello, my name is Jimmy Pop and I'm the dumb white guy I'm not old, I'm not new
5: Kind
6: of like a Han Solo, baby I don't know no mofo pulp all peeps. But I can take the Here we go. Here the other way we go. Known as Kid Funky Sad and mad, I'm hung like planet Pluto. Hard to see with the naked eye. But if I crashed into Uranus, I would stick it where the sun don't shine. Oh, i I'm kinda like Han Solo, always stroking my own Wookiee. I'm the root of all that's evil, yeah, you can call me Crookie. The Roof, The Roof. The roof is on fire, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn, burn motherfucker. Burn. Ah. Ah. Don't you just feel all that tension and stress melting away? Just let the motherfucker burn, you know what I'm saying? It's always going to be a fire. Just let it go. Let it go. Yo, yo. Yo. That's right. Hey, good evening and welcome to the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. It's Friday, July the 11th, the year of our Lord, 2008. And me, moi, I, well, no one special, no big deal. Nobody important. Just your old friend, your old pal, your old buddy, the Jester, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Such a show we have prepared for you this evening, as Grandma Jester would say, including the likes of, um, who do we got, Bob? There's the playlist, boy. Oh, my God. This is good stuff. We got, uh, Luther Ingram, we got Ace of Base, we got Ardeen Taylor, Foreigner, The Beatles, The Tubes, Dusty Springfield... Holy fuck, And that and so much more. Plus, believe it or stuff it, there's actually room on that playlist for one or two of your requests. So get them in early and get them in often. And there's so many ways to do that, and we're going to run them down now. <laughs> First, the way is to go to com and click on Request. It's on that gold navigation bar along the top, Request. And tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air within 15 minutes or I have my left testicle surgically removed without the benefit of anesthesia and rusty utensils. Other ways include sending us a message via AOL Instant Messenger at Jester Radio 1. Apparently Jester Radio wasn't available. Our Skype name is Jester Radio, however. And you could always give us a call, 646-502-8600. That way you can get yourself live on the air. If you got something to say, why then, that's the perfect opportunity to say it. And um, jot down that number because sometime during the course of the evening, something we're going to say is going to piss you off, and that's the number to dial. 646-502-8600. Gets you live on the air. Um, and there's uh, also uh, Jester Radio chat room hanging in there right now myself at uh, com. Why not join in? Time to turn our attention to the uh, headlines from high atop Jester Radio Studios in a secret location outside your universe. Xanit! Blanit! Flanit! Oh, sorry. Is it my... Do I... Am I supposed to... I'm so sorry. The thing is, I'm paying so much for this herb, I have to keep it in as long as humanly possible. You understand. A uh, mortgage rescue to help hundreds of thousands of struggling homeowners avoid foreclosure and get more affordable, safer loans passed the Senate overwhelmingly today, but it faces a bumpy road amid continuing turmoil in the housing market. The 63-5 to vote reflected a keen interest by Democrats and Republicans to send election year help to distressed homeowners with economic issues topping voters' concerns. The plan lets homeowners buckling under mortgage payments they can't afford keep their homes and get more affordable mortgages backed by the Federal Housing Administration. Banks that agreed to take substantial losses on those distressed loans could avoid costly foreclosures, uh, be assured of recovering at least some of their money. The new program would let the FHA insure as much as $300 billion in new mortgages, helping an estimated 400,000 homeowners. Well, there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> it's great. Whenever the um, public does something stupid, the government will always just step right in and fix it right up for them. And they even have this rationale that they're helping out the banks um, by helping them avoid those cost- costly uh uh, m- m- foreclosures. <laughs> I got news for you. News flash. Banks are in the business of foreclosing. That's all figured into the dollars and cents of it all. So uh, they don't want to avoid foreclosures. They want to get their money or they foreclose. It's just, um, you know, they don't uh, have ethical problems about foreclosing, they don't have any reason to avoid it. Uh, It's just another, you know, business thing. The guy who leases you the car um, doesn't pray that you don't default on the car. When you do, he sends the guy over to pick it up and then he sells it and he makes another fucking extra couple of grand. So it's not something that people uh, dread doing. So the government's not doing the banks any favors. As usual, when there's a crisis, we all have to find somebody to blame And usually it's whoever has the biggest pocket. Um, And of course, banks are, you know, sleazy institutions um, to begin with. But the truth is that, you know, they did nothing wrong here in this mortgage crisis. If anything, it was these people, these resellers who go out um, with the full knowledge of the banks and the banks knowing how they're, you know, getting these loans. uh, And they're you know, tacit approval, but these guys go out and they, you know, sharp, uh, sweet talk, uh, you know, stupid people into taking loans that they have no business taking. Those people, of course, are ultimately responsible. We're always ultimately responsible for ourselves, but if you're going to find fault with some group of people, it's probably these shady, you know, uh, practices of the people that sell the loans. But you know what? Now that everybody's educated themselves, uh, it's over that whole scam is over. So these so-called um, subprime uh, lending uh, problems are supposed to be at the root of all this. Subprime loans are loans given to people who have less than perfect credit. And you know what? Uh, the, the, the banking you know, business has to stop giving loans to those people, because there's a reason they have less than perfect credit, because they don't pay their bills. And uh, they knew all along that they were going to end up foreclosing. They have these uh, skyrocketing, you know, um, mortgages, you know, the kind that, uh, uh, that are recalculated every quarter, and they just fucking kept going up and up and up. So I don't know what they told these people, you know. Oh, yeah, don't worry, it never goes up. They always go up. That's why they're adjustable, so they can go up. But, uh, as usual, um, the the government tit is going to bail everybody out, and uh, so. Unfortunately. I mean, I, I feel bad for the people that are defaulting on their loans. I mean, it always comes down to this. I feel bad for the poor bastards in New Orleans, Katrina. You know, I feel bad for all these people, but... Uh, not sure why that means that they're entitled to government bailout. Uh, you know, shit happened in my life, man. Fucking Uncle Sam never came along and fixed it for me. Mistakes I made, bad things that happened to me. I don't know where everybody got this idea that we're all supposed to be, like, made whole. That there's some, like, ultimate authority that's to blame. Uh, we can always, you know, blame the fucking government for not protecting us from ourselves. This is one of my favorite stories of the day. Check out this shit. Uh, we all watched with fascination over the past two days um, f- of these two uh, m- uh, so-called missile tests that Iran uh, did and published all these photos and videos bragging about how they have all this new shit that can travel 1,200 miles, which is far enough to reach Israel, and they have this special, new, you know, fucking warheads, and guess what? Uh-uh. Iran's missile test this week did not demonstrate any new capabilities, according to a U.S. official familiar with the intelligence, and the test may not have included one of the longer-range missiles that Iran claims was among those launched. Iranian officials claims the tests Wednesday and Thursday demonstrated a new variant of the Shahab missile that had a range of 1,250 miles. Such a missile would put much of the Middle East in striking distance, including Israel, as close as 650 miles from Iran, as well as Turkey, Pakistan, and the Arabian Peninsula. The test drew immediate criticism from U.S. officials in Eastern Europe during the launches. Secretary of State Condi Rice said the missile tests underscored the need for a U.S. missile shield in the region. Not sure what the fuck that means, a U.S. missile shield. I (laughs) I guess that means we need to have army bases around the Middle East to protect us from, so we can stop these uh, Muslim uh, nukes at the source. But an independent, get this, an independent national security blog called armscontrolwonk.com analyzed the video yesterday of this launch posted by the Iranian government. It determined that the missiles were identical to a version of the Shahab missile first demonstrated in Iran in 1998, 10 years ago that has a known range of 746 miles, just just four short of Israel. In a post called Same Old Boring Sh- Shahab 3, it compared the diameter of the missile to its length and found it to be identical to the 98 version. Unless the Iranians built a larger missile with the same length to width ratio, dramatically improved the thrust of the rocket or decreased its internal structural mass, the missile would not achieve the range Iran claimed it did. Otherwise, it's the same knockoff of North Korea's Nodong-1, according to the blog. Iran falsely claimed back in February that it launched a two-stage missile. That later analysis determined to be a one-stage Shahab missile, according to the Union of Concerned Scientists a Washington D.C. arms control advocacy think tank. Iran frequently exaggerates the capacity capability of its missiles and it appears it's continuing that tradition in this week's test, said David Wright, co-director of the Union's Global Security Program. The U.S. official familiar with the intelligence that uh, we spoke to at just earlier today said the Iranian test involved um, eight or nine missiles, most fired on Wednesday. Uh, And one more several hours uh, later, early Thursday, it was a mix of missiles ranging from medium-range to close-range battlefield rockets. He said the exact models had not yet been decisively determined by the U.S. intelligence. So the Pentagon doesn't know yet, but these fucking guys on armscontrolwonk.com, they have already written their white paper on the whole story. So either the government doesn't know as much as citizens... Or uh, they're lying. Either which which one of those do you find more incredible? This apparent apparently this Mahmoud Ahmadinejad character is insane from gonorrhea, and he just will say or do any fucking thing, including um, not mentioned in this report. Um, a report that came out this morning that the still photographs had been doctored as well, you could see, uh, where like a plume of cloud was, uh, you know, a duplicated, <laughs> like some, some like ninth grader with Photoshop dummied up these still pictures. And uh, they had some spy find, get a hold of the original Iranian pictures, and it shows one of the missiles had not even fired, had misfired. So to cover it up, uh, they, <laughs> they fucking copied over one of the good missiles and then just pasted it over the failing missile. So you had like two that looked exactly the same. Uh, so apparently the country is being run by a lunatic, although the truth be told, of course, Ahmadinejad is not, he's the president of the country, but it's a figurehead position. The country is actually run by um, a bunch of imams, a bunch of uh, religious uh, loony birds who enforce uh, Sharia law with an iron hand, and in case you're not familiar with that, it's uh, this kind of outlandish uh, punishment that's prescribed in the um, Quran, um, where you know if a if a thief is caught stealing, they chop off your hand. You know that's just <laughs> they've been doing it. They did it four thousand years ago that way, and by God, you know nothing's changed. And, like, if a woman shows her knee on the street, then she gets, you know, like, beaten down with sticks. They love and respect and worship their women and hold them on, you know, the highest pedestal. They're always telling you. But if they break one of the rules, like if they fucking open the back door to that beekeeper outfit that they wear for one second to let some air in, then they literally beat them. They have no compunction whatsoever, and they do it in public. We've seen the fucking videotape. Iran is a um, uh, is a nexus of this type of thing because they're completely, you know, Sharia law country. The whole country is run by the the um, religious wackos, and uh, the, the the whole system is you know like it was four thousand years ago. So what I propose instead of uh, invading countries and taking over countries—we have no business. Let's just carpet bomb these people. Or what I've been told: we have now actually tactical nuclear weapons, where we can drop a suitcase size uh, bomb into one of these, you know, four-story below the ground bunker, you know, bunkers, and we can kill everybody all four stories down and have less than a half a mile of, you know, uh, fallout around the area. And what I say is we carpet bomb with these suitcase nukes and bomb them back to the fucking, uh, you know, uh, first century. Which should set them back about three and a half weeks, if you know what I mean. Meanwhile, IndyMac Bank's assets were seized by federal regulators today after succumbing to the pressures of tighter credit, tumbling home prices, and rising foreclosures. The Office of Thrift Supervision said it transferred IndyMac's operations to the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation because it did not think the lender could meet its depositor's demand. Holy crap. IndyMac customers with funds in the bank were limited to taking out money via automated teller machines, Over the weekend, debit card transactions or checks. Other bank services such as online banking and phone banking were scheduled to be made available on Monday. Ooh. The bank is the largest regulated thrift to fail, the second largest financial institution to close in U.S. history. The institution failed today due to a liquidity crisis, uh, crisis. Uh, OTS Director John Reich said. IndyMac... Had $32.01 billion in assets as of March 31st. Pasadena, California, IndyMac, Bancorp, Inc., the holding company for IndyMac Bank, has been struggling to raise capital as the housing slump deepens. The spokesman for the lender did not immediately return an email request for the comment. So there you go. Uh, So maybe some of the banks uh, are having a tough time after all. Maybe I spoke too soon. Well, then, serves them fucking right, man, for giving loans to uh, slackers. I don't know. Um, I don't know what we should be doing when, um, you know, large groups of people, you know, people always, like, give you this kind of argument. That they say, well, you know, you may take the position that uh, it's none of our concern uh, that all these people made a mistake, but we have now you know, half a million people that can't pay their mortgage, it's a crisis for all America. So the government needs to step in and start doing the wang doodle, passing laws and regulations and giving shit back and allowing people to get a new loan that's guaranteed by the government. I mean, what the fuck makes you think these people are going to be any more able and willing to pay the government back than they pay their lender? And now what? The fucking government's going to start going into the collection business? Ugh. What a fiasco. As it is, they waste 75 cents on the taxpayer dollar. So you can imagine the, like, jumble of red tape uh, that we're talking about. And, you know, my mind always goes to it. I, I'm not saying that I think we should be giving money out in the streets, but my mind just always goes right back to that, you know when you think of the millions and millions that money could feed it just seems so wrong um to be wasting money like that hey you've been listening to the ravings of a clown on jest radio this friday july the 11th so you know we've been talking the past couple of days about uh, personal relationships and breaking up and i have like these all these people breaking up all around me uh, freakishly i'm i'm uh um on my own for the first time, you know, since I was 11 years old, I'm on my own uh, for like a year now, going on a year or just like a little over a year maybe. And so it's put me in a weird, you know, kind of um, uh, very calm, zen, balanced place. And so I find that the advice I'm giving, you know, people, and it's like, uh, you know, Donovan Leach said, you've got to pick up every stitch. Must be the season of the witch because when lots of things happen at once, sort of seems like it's almost like a time of that for, for, for that to happen. Um, because shit happens in waves, you know. And um, I, and I'm telling you, like four or five, six of my friends are like currently going through breakups. And I was just on the phone, just 10, not thirty minutes before the show, with a friend of mine. She was telling me this unbelievable fucking story about this, uh, you know, guy, uh, and all this wacky shit that he was pulling and seeing some other girl on the sly behind her back over the internet doing all kinds of funky webcam shit with her that, you know, she would have been, you know, happy to entertain if he, you know, but, uh, um, and in this very sort of you know detached not angry not sort of uh, feeling like i have a vested interest in the uh, in in what side wins um i've made the following observations and please join in 6465028600 please give us a call and join in and ch- and tell me what your thoughts are about this because uh, as usual, I blame the church, and here 's why let me tell you why I believe that for the first quarter of a billion years that primates um, roamed the earth, that they were probably um, somewhat polygamous, maybe sometimes monogamous, maybe sometimes polygamous but i didn 't think i, I don 't think that we 're sort of wired to be to be uh, mate-for-life kind of creatures because we don't seem to be able to hold it together even when we create all these sort of synthetic circumstances to hold us together, marriage and courts and all this kind of wacky shit, um, and we still can't stay together at alarming rates. We still can't stay together. So it just doesn't seem to be... Uh, I'm the last one to be, to be a proponent of polygamy. I don't think we should... Uh, I think, you know... The one-person-settling-down thing is great, and I think it's wonderful if you can find that. I totally think it's possible. I see people all the time, you know, apparently doing it, or I've done it for, you know, limited periods of time. Well, not limited. I was married for 19 years. That's a period. Never strayed once, ever, except maybe in the first couple of years uh, there was some whores, but that was because... Um, that was just because that's the way the things were back then. Um, but I was never had any relationship outside that, you know, my marriage ever. And so I'm a big proponent of that. I think it's a great thing. How cool, you know, that they're your like soulmate and they, they can look into your fucking eyes and your heart and see and everywhere you go, there's a camera in your heart that, They can see through and they know what you're doing and they always think good thoughts about you. That's like the greatest thing in the world. love that. Um, But hard to come by and it sort of deteriorates very quickly and there's this point in almost every relationship where there's this kind of like um, demanding kind of like, hey, you kind of owe me kind of deal. And this is the thing that always freaks me out because... um, uh, Platonic relationships don't ever have that possessive component. Nobody, you know, says to their buddy, Hey, why didn't you call me yesterday? But we fucking hear this shit all the time in, um, you know, romantic relationships. This sort of um, um, entitlement uh, sensibility to have to be answered to to, as if you're like some kind of authority. You've switched from being, you know, lover, adventurer to, you know, uh, like s- assistant principal. <laughs> Where were you on the night of June 29? It's freaky. And we just accept it, and and I think it's um, for millions of years we got along. Where people, you know, you always wanted, you know, the, you'd have your eye on somebody on the in the tribe, but if they rebuffed you, that was it, man. You moved on. You lived with that fucking feeling of wanting something, um, and maybe you tried again tomorrow or next year, you know, or in ten years, uh, and you you know I think that's a lot of the way the relationships work. Um, I find that in my life, you know, that um, that 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 there's always like uh, between every two people, there's always like three and four people. Uh, he wants her, you know. There's a um, Art Garfunkel tune, a Jimmy Webb tune called "Scissors Cut," and it's all about how like there's a cycle of an arc of love that goes around. You know, uh, scissors cut paper covers rock, which breaks the shining scissors, so it goes like in a loop. And likewise, you know, you hurt him, she hurt me, and she goes, and he will miss her, you know. Um, We're all, like, involved with multiple people, and there's, like, a chain of, uh, you know, whenever something happens on one end of the chain, it affects everything else down the line. Um, And then it goes farther. Then it goes, Oh, you fucking cheated on me, or you wouldn't talk feelings with me, or you wouldn't, uh, help plan, you know, the use of condoms or whatever, whatever the indictment is, um, that you think you're, you know, the, the one thinks they're entitled to, that everybody in society assumes that they'll be true blue. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, even though nobody is. Everybody acts like it's the biggest fucking shock in the world, and then we get to the stage where uh, people start so- saying shit like, "Well, I'm fucking getting paid, cha ching. I'm gonna fucking hurt that motherfucker." Like, wow, how did we go so fast from soulmate lover, you know, tender feelings towards somebody to like the most vile, disgusting, uh, horrific feelings? These are all, in my humble opinion, a byproduct of this artificial, of this synthetic system that the church has invented in order to further restrict your choices and personal happiness. Because if they make it this complicated thing that you have to do for life um, and you swear before God, uh, then uh, it becomes complicated when you start having feelings, About leaving the relationship. Maybe it's not the person. Maybe the person changed. Maybe you changed and you don't, you know, feel the same way you felt. Maybe you learn new shit about the person. What if you fucking marry a child molester or somebody who, you know, thinks the Holocaust didn't happen? Are you supposed to stick with them too? Or do, or is there some kind of line? Is there a code where this bunch of shit is, you know, punishable, but this isn't? And then we have this freaky, like, punishment, uh, concept that because you weren't, you know, you didn't fulfill this other person's, you know, dreams and fantasies of what you would be, then now, man, you're gonna fucking pay. You're going to pay. You're going to pay out of your wallet. You're going to pay with the fucking agita. You're going to have to go to court. You're going to have to talk in front of this lady typing on a fucking strange machine about your sex life. I mean, things that people don't even really think about when they say divorce. Most divorces even are um, settled out of court. But the ones that go to trial, man, there's nothing good going on in there. I can assure you. Nothing. And how dare the fucking government stick its fucking nose that far up my ass to tell me who gets what paintings in my house? It just seems outrageous. And yet we accept it because... Uh, at some point, the fucking priests all said, "You know what we can 't have all these people just fucking each other like crazy uh according to their own you know whims we gotta you know somehow regulate this. They have to come to us and ask permission to fuck and get our approval and get our blessing and uh and then we'll say, Yeah, you could fuck them, but you can only fuck them and if you 't and if you fuck somebody else." then God will fucking get you because God has invented this system. Not us, naturally. We had nothing to do with it. We're just, you know, we're just keepers of the flame. But it's God will be very sad and disappointed if you don't do it that way. And then when you finally reconcile, wow, 19 fucking years of a suck-ass marriage I should have gotten out of after 19 months and you finally fucking do it, then, you know, it really just has this massive impact on your entire life, way more than it really should. Because, after all, the marriage isn't the center of your life. It's an aspect of your life. Kahil Gibran said that we should be like the pillars of the temple, standing apart, but working together to hold up the same roof. Or something like that. We should, uh, eat, you know, we should drink, uh, the, the wine together, but not from the same cup. We should be separate human beings and enjoy our fucking lives and we should consider each other, uh, you know, important special additions to our lives, not, you know, necessary components without which, you know, we somehow feel uh, that we're entitled to stomp our feet you see grown fucking men and women who would otherwise act normal in a social situation act like you know five-year olds in a relationship and you and you know you, you, you stop and you inevitably feel like asking that um, question that must come to everybody's mind what could you, <laughs> where could you possibly go from here you've now called her a cunt she's now said you're a filthy pig uh, are you ever going to be able to love each other, much less like each other again? And yet they do every, every day. They put that shit behind them and they go on uh, because um, because they're trapped, because they're fucking wailing, they're shoveling shit against the tide and they know it. They could say I hate you a million times every fucking day, but it's going to take an act of Congress to fucking split them apart. They have to go get fucking lawyers. They gotta fucking go to file a fucking divorce. They gotta be serve each other with fucking papers. They gotta lay their whole lives out like from sternum to yachts. It's a it's a it is just the most horrific experience you can imagine of your lifetime. And it's all about this, you know, desire, this wanting. And we just somehow don't You know, we've never, uh, you would think that once we get past the age of, you know, like nine or 12 or 18 or 20, that we would realize, hey, this is what I want and this is what, you know, I can get. And so I, you know, need to live my life as if everything is not reliant on getting what I want. The guilty undertaker sighs. The lonesome organ grinder cries. The silver saxophones say, I should refuse you. The cracked bells and washed-out horns blow into my face with scorn, but it's not that way. I wasn't born to lose you. I want you. I want you. I want you so bad. The Jester kicks it off on Jester Radio. Please don't fuck with that, dial.
1: The lonesome old grandet cries. The the saxophones say, I should refuse you. The cracked bells and washed-out horns blew into my face with scorn. But it's not that way I wasn't born to lose you. I want you. I want you. I want you. So bad. Honey, I want you. A drunken politician leads upon the street where mothers weep. Saviors who are fast asleep, they wait for you. And I wait for them to interrupt me drinking from my broken cup and ask me to open up the gate for you. I want you. I want you. Yes, I want you. down, true love they've been without it. But all their daughters put me because I don't think about it. Well, I return to the queen of and Talk with my chambermaid. She knows that I'm not afraid to look at her. She is good to me, and there's nothing she doesn't see. She knows where I'd like to be, but it doesn't matter. I want you, I want you, yes, I want you, so bad. Honey, I want you. Now you're dancing child with this tiny suit. You spoke to me, I took his sludge, No, I wasn't that cute to him, or was I? But I did it because you lied, because he took you for a ride. I time is on your side, because I want you, I want you, yes, I want you so bad.
6: I'll return to the Queen of Spades and talk with my chambermaid. She knows that I'm not afraid to look at her. And she is good to me. And there's something she doesn't see. She knows where I'd like to be, but it doesn't matter. The Jester himself on Jester Radio. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown. And I am your host this Friday, July the 11th, the year of our Lord 2008- Two airborne planes, one landing and the other one taking off, came within a half mile of colliding at JFK International Airport today in the second such incident at the airport in a week. According to the FAA, they moved quickly to change takeoff and landing procedures on perpendicular runways, the kind that uh, were involved in both incidents. They say that when they built JFK, the idea of perpendicular runways was... You know, sound, but the you know they just run too many fucking planes through these airports now. Uh, FAA spokeswoman Laura Brown said a Delta Flight 123 was arriving at the airport when the pilot decided to abort his landing and execute a go-around. Ooh, I hate when that happens. A routine procedure often used during heavy congestion that caused the Delta flight to intersect with the flight path of the Comair Flight 1520. A regional jet that was taking off on another runway. So he sort of made an executive decision and he didn't really have official clearance for that decision. Uh, he probably got close to the ground and said, nope, can't make it for one reason or another, which is fine. They, you know, apparently they do that all the time or they do it often enough. The FAA ordered new procedures today to change the way takeoffs and landings on perpendicular runways are sequenced. Uh, the new procedures are designed to ensure that the aircraft of one runway clear out of the path of the other runway before the second flight comes down the other runway. <laughs> just They just came out with this today. We've had two events recently. You would think that this was like a no-brainer, right? Did somebody, who works at these companies? Did somebody not say, but, uh, but, uh, wh- the uh, boss, how about if the one plane is taken off? And the other plane is landing. Then what then, boss? What? What? <laughs> so they came up with new procedures right after the accident. Uh, the launch of the uh, Apple's much-anticipated new iPhone turned into an information technology meltdown today as customers were unable to get their phones working. It's such grief and aggravation, said Frederick Smalls, an insurance broker in Whitman, Massachusetts, after spending two hours on the phone with Apple and AT&T trying to get his new iPhone to work. In stores, people waited at counters to get the phones activated as lines built behind them. Many of the customers had already camped out for several hours in line. Can you imagine? This is a phone. This is a phone. How much time a day do you get to spend like futzing with your phone? Many of the customers had already camped out for several hours in line to become among the first with the new phone, which updates the one launched a year ago by giving faster Internet access and adding a navigation chip. So now they get what everybody else has had the past year, which is 3G, you know, uh, broadba- uh, broadband over wireless. Uh, they were stuck with the um, Edge technology, which was like fast dial-up. Um, and so now they finally got that and they got the GPS chip put in, which all, you know, hundreds of phones have had for over a year. Spokesman for AT&T, the exclusive carrier for the iPhone in the United States, said there was a global problem with Apple's iTunes servers that prevented the phones from being fully activated in the store as had been planned. Instead, employees are telling buyers to go home and perform the last step by connecting the phones to their computers. What if these people didn't have a computer? They were fucked. However, the iTunes servers were equally hard to reach from home. Duh. Leaving the phones unusable except for emergency calls. The problem extended. So you can call 911 all you want. So a lot of people would just call 911 reporting their iPhone not working. The problem extended to owners of the previous iPhone model. Get this. Even if you had one that, and you didn't buy a new one, you're still fucked. Because they got a software update released this morning that required the phone to be reactivated through iTunes. And so iTunes was down. It's a mess, said freelance photographer Giovanni Cipriano, who updated his first-generation iPhone, only to find it unusable. Apple's share fell $4 today, or 2.3%, to close Friday at 172.58. Uh, Don't feel too bad for him. Made a general decline in U.S. stocks. When the first iPhone went on sale a year ago, Customers perform the whole activation procedure at home, freeing store employees to focus on sales. But the new model is subsidized by the carrier AT&T, and therefore they plan to activate every single phone in the store before they left. The iPhone has been widely lauded for its ease of use and rich features. Uh, Apple is a newcomer to the cell phone business, and it's made some missteps. When it launched the first phone in the U.S. a year ago, it initially priced the phones at $499 and $599. Then they cut the price by $200. Uh, Ten weeks later, throwing early buyers for a loop. That uh, has been reported repeatedly, but I don't know anybody that was thrown for a loop that the price of electronics uh, came down you know, 40%, 35% after three months. I don't know anybody that was surprised about that. That's always been... Um, you know, just the cost of, you know, getting in. Early adopters always pay more. Uh, so the press keeps reporting that. So they, I think they're kind of trying to jinx uh, Apple. And though I'm not a fan of Apple nor the iPhone, I do um, feel good about an American company doing well. And, uh, but, you know, I don't own one. I don't necessarily support them, but I don't, you know, I don't have this sort of uh, religious fervor or feeling against them that a lot of folks seem to. For more than a year, Gordon Dibbler held out hope that his stepson Army Private Byron W. Fowdy would return home from Iraq. Then military officials delivered the grim news that the bodies of Fowdy and another soldier captured in an ambush south of Baghdad had been found. Every day that he's been missing has been a day of what could have been. But after hearing the news, I'm still in shock, Dibbler said yesterday after military officials came to his Oxford home in uh, near Detroit, Michigan. Fowdy, 19 of Waterford, and Army Sergeant Alex Jimenez, 25 of Lawrence, Massachusetts, were kidnapped uh, back on May 12, 2007 in the volatile area south of Baghdad known as the Triangle of Death. Jimenez's father, Ramon Andy Jimenez, said he also received a visit yesterday from military officials who told him, that his, son body, his son's body had been found, so this is what they're over. This is what the, our soldiers are over there doing. Don't give me this horse shit about not supporting our brave men uh, and women uh, in uniform. I support them every inch of the way. Um, it's their retarded commanders, and especially the commander in chief, uh, of course, that's to blame. They're the ones that make the policy. The soldiers themselves, you know, every time somebody speaks out against the war, you hear some stupid moron say something like, wow, great way to show support for the soldiers, buddy. You know, wow, they're going to hear what you say and they're going to break their fucking morale. Fuck that. That's what they're fighting for, you idiot, for my right to, to fucking open my mouth and say whatever the hell I damn well please. And if you don't fucking like it, turn the fucking dial. And here we got these two poor kids and their fucking families, man. It's a fucking nightmare. And this happened, they were kidnapped in May of 2007. They only found their bodies now. What the fuck are these people doing over there? Man, you would think, if they had any brains at all, they would just say, as soon as these kids were kidnapped, we're just going into full gear, into full rescue you know, mode, and that's going to be the only you know, goal we have of this war until we get these fucking kids back been a year and a half. Their bodies are missing. Who knows how long they were even alive? It just fucking breaks my heart, man. Here again, I just see that our efforts and our uh, resources are being very poorly misspent. Imagine the goodwill it, that it would have engendered among, um, you know, the both uh, I- Iraqis and the Americans. If that's what we made our goal. Uh, American soldiers are missing, and that's what we're doing over here in Iraq. Until we fucking get them back, those poor fucking scumbags who kidnapped them, uh, you know, just better fucking keep looking over their shoulders. Until they fucking found them, dead or alive. I could get behind that. Hey 6465028600 gets you live on the air with your old pal the Jester we've been talking about this uh weirdness um that we have in our relationships it's kind of a in my opinion doesn't seem like um, a an old adaptation it would seem like it's something um in fact that would be counter uh productive to the to the progeny of our species so you would think that it's probably a recent adaptation this so this whole like sort of weird uh, possessive, you owe me, Um, I gave my best years of my fucking life to you and now you owe me and I could have done this and I chose to... Like, hey, fucking man, that's like, you know, you can't put that shit on other people ever. Everything you do, the next breath you take is all your own responsibility. We just got to stop this weird-ass fucking shifting of the blame that we do. And this is what the fucking church promotes. They get us into a fucking frenzy over this shit. Uh, By inventing, you know, this whole concept of marriage, consecration. What does that even mean? The church has looked you over, turned you around, stuck out your fucking tongue, maybe took a peek between your legs just to make sure, because we're the fucking church, and what are you going to do? Say no? Bend you over, just because we like that. (laughs) Nothing to do with anything. And then we look over the other one. Don't look as hard on the other one. And then we say, sure, you can get together and procreate. But if you ever change your mind, you're going to burn in hell. So don't even think about splitting up. You're stuck together for life. So we can just move on. We don't even have to think about you two anymore. You're not going to be having any fun anymore. And they sort of lock... Uh, these people into this impossible situation, Uh, how do you even have a loving relationship in an environment like that, knowing uh, that you don't want to, but if you did, because you're not your thoughts and everybody has millions of random thoughts a day, including everything, you know, hey, what if I run over that kid, you know, right now? Shit that you would never do, but you think, because that's what makes us, you know, so fucking smart is we think of everything. But there are some thoughts that if they pop into your head, you're just, you know, instantly a bad guy. And you're going to walk around, um, you know, dealing with that. So they impose this sort of weird-ass prison. Um, I could be in the most loving, committed relationship of my life. I'm still going to notice if the fucking waitress has a gorgeous ass. I mean, you know, it would be wrong not to where I come from. And it's just, you know, it's just about what we fucking want. Who the fuck ever said that, you know, we get what we want. Hold me close. Hold me tight. Make me thrill with delight. Elvis on JR. The pair. Time that you're near, all my cares disappear. Darling, you're all that I'm living for. <laughs> no pressure there. Only Elvis could do that, like, ha <laughs> ha, I want you, ha <laughs> ha, I need you, and like still not sound like a fucking wuss. There he was, uh, Elvis the Pelvis on Jester Radio. You tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Friday, July the 11th. High gas prices could turn out to be a lifesaver for some drivers. The authors of a new study say gas prices are causing driver declines, uh, driving declines that could result in a third fewer auto deaths annually with the most dramatic drop likely to be among teen drivers because they ain't the ones that ain't got the scratch. Professors Michael M- Morrissey of the University of Alabama at Birmingham and David Grabowski of Harvard Medical School said they found that for every 10% increase in gas price, there was a 23 decline in auto deaths. For drivers aged 15 to 17, the decline was 6%, and for 18 to 21, it was 32 The study looked at fatalities from 85 to 06 when gas prices reached about $2.5 a gallon. Wow, remember those days? Oh, man. Those were the days, I tell you. With gas now averaging more than $4 a gallon, Morrissey said he expects to see a much greater drop, about 1,000 deaths a month. With annual auto deaths typically ranging from about 38,000 to 40,000 a year, a drop of 12,000 deaths would, deaths would cut the total by nearly a third, according to this guy, uh, Morrissey, in an interview with Jester Radio earlier today. I think there is some silver lining here in ga- higher gas prices and that we'll see a public health gain, Grabowski said. But he cautioned that their estimate of a decline of a thousand deaths a month could be offset somewhat by the shift underway to smaller, lighter, more fuel efficient cars and the increase in motorcycle and scooter driving. So there you go. There's going to be an offset. The, uh, these guys who take surveys, they just make this fucking crap up. You can do anything you want with the same set of data. You'll see 10 years from now, uh, somebody will go back, buy that data set, and just do a whole nother fucking bullshit study. Did you know that over 47% of all statistics are made up on the spot? That's right. But besides that, this, I think, comes from the fucking no shit file. Like, you know, people, when gas is higher, people drive less. And therefore, when people drive less, the less people get into car accidents and die. Okay. Okay. I think that's was predictable. I'm not sure why anybody would spend money on a survey like that. I just uh, anything that doesn't make things better, I'm not sure why people are asking questions. So what are we supposed to uh do with that information? If we become luddites, I suppose there'll be zero deaths from driving. And uh there you go. One person was found dead inside a burned-out house today after a wind-fuel wildfire swept through a rural community in the Sierra Nevada foothills uh, near Paradise, California, a rare human casualty among the hundreds of blazes that have tormented the state for weeks. Investigators believe the person died in the fire in the town of Concow, but they will conduct an autopsy on the burned body to confirm the cause of death. According to Sergeant Stephen Pelton, the county's deputy coroner sheriff, the town had been evacuated when the blaze approached early Tuesday, but unfortunately not everyone chose to leave, and you can't force them to, Pelton said. There appears to be, uh, this appears to be one of those people. A complex of blazes in the Butte County already has destroyed 50 homes in Concow, forced more than 10,000 residents of uh, the nearby town of Paradise to flee, Firefighters battling the out-of-control fires in the Sierra Nevada foothills thought they had caught a break today when strong winds they feared uh, could blow hot embers across the fire lines towards thousands of homes did not immediately materialize. The northeast winds forecast for the morning were expected to be similar to those that caused the fire to flare up earlier this week. So uh, it's, um, it's a fucking nightmare out there. Uh, there's a um, you know the the full text of the story goes on to describe you know the efforts that are being made um, and as uh, heroic and extensive as they are um, you know again living in this world it always begs the question you know uh, you know what if we had that 850 trillion dollars that we wasted in uh, Iraq and Af- Afghanistan what resources then would we have? Uh, you know, I was listening to uh, um, conservative radio today. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh, and there was this substitute guy today who was even more Rushy y this British lunatic who kept saying, talking about how America this, and we the Americans, and our fucking America. I felt like calling in and saying, what part of America are you from? Because the guy spoke with, like, you know, some kind of, like, Scottish accent or something. But um, it's just... Uh, um you know they were it's just as usual they go on with this chant about tax and spend and how the democrats won't be happy until the government is huge and taken over and they want to regulate and do everything and they want to be your fucking and meanwhile man we're fucking you know trillions of dollars in debt because of all this wasted money the government uh has become enormous under bush we have this uh, fantastic um, you know, extraordinary, unprecedented power that this, um, White House has exercised. Between the keeping secrets today, I heard a debate, um, that's going on over whether or not the records of the visitors to the White House and to the, um, Vice President's, um, residence, which, by the way, are owned by you, American citizens, um, are should be available to the public it is just astounds me why are we having this debate? If I hire somebody and give them a fucking um, you know job and give them a fucking residence as part of the job and as part of the job, they regularly meet with um, you know advisors or you know vendors or s- customers um, then i 'm entitled to see a fucking log of those events i 'm his fucking boss. Who do these people think they are to keep all this shit secret from us? We're the fucking bosses. And um, and you know, so just listening to these, you know, this guy talk about you know tax and spend Democrats when, you know, the last tax and spend Democrat that we had was um, you know got us uh, in the first. you know, four years of his administration got us out of the red uh, and the next four years actually had a surplus in this country. It was the greatest economic times of my lifetime was under the tax and spend Democrats. The case of 14 babies who received accidental overdoses while in intensive care has raised new questions about how a common blood thinning medication could be given to infants repeatedly in the wrong dosage. They've been talking a lot about how these these bottles of these dosages are sort of similarly labeled, but I got a chance to look at them uh, earlier today and they're not even remotely similar. Uh, so I'm not really sure what that whole bunch of horse shit is about. Maybe once they take the label off, um, but uh, with the label on, it's impossible to confuse one with the other. Uh, Unlike a previous case involving the uh, twins of actor Dennis Quaid, the Texas newborns got the overdose because of an error in the hospital pharmacy, not a labeling problem. Quaid sued one of the uh, heparin's manufacturers last year, after his children's overdose was traced to a hospital pharmacy worker who grabbed vials of the wrong dosage because the labels looked almost identical. Turned uh, if uh, you know turned a certain way. In Corpus Christi, pharmacy workers at Christus Spohn Hospital South made what the hospital called a mixing error. Oh, there you go. I have those. The two workers went on voluntary leave. The heparin, which was 100 times stronger than recorded, was given to 14 infants in the hospital neonatal intensive care unit on July 4th. Two of the babies involved twins, uh, who were born one month premature have died already, although the hospital said its physicians have found no direct link to the overdose. Sure, kids die all the time. It's got nothing to do with being given 100 times the uh, an overdose of uh, blood thinner. Nah. There's no direct link. Autopsies are currently being performed. In addition to the 14 infants, three other babies who were discharged shortly after the overdoses may have also received too much heparin, but they showed no ill effects. Of course, they got the fuck out. Let me tell you, man, the first time my uncle was my family doctor, my Uncle Al, my whole life, and he was some kind of character, let me tell you. And the first time I was in the hospital, he came storming in, screaming at the top of his lungs, we got to get you the fuck out of here. Hospital is no place for a sick person. And let me tell you, man, it's a fact. I think I'd like to see a survey done about what percentage of the time somebody drops dead, there's a doctor either in the room or somebody somewhere nearby. Hmm? (laughs) That's right. Hey, you've been listening to the ravings of a clown this Friday, July the 11th. We've been talking this evening about relationships. And how somehow it got sort of fucked up along the way, you know, must have started with us all sort of being friendly in the jungle with each other, you know, trying to win uh, the affections you would think that they say that our, you know, we haven't physically really evolved much um, in the past 250,000 years. We've only been living in houses for the past 10,000 of those. So what was life like in the cave, um, romancing? We we had the same brain we had now, not the same information. Of course, we lived these, um, you know, uh, sort of um, um, very shielded lives where we never saw people outside our clan. And, you know, we didn't learn a lot, but we thought a lot. We were the same people we are now. But we lived with our heads on rocks. So how did we court our women then? You know, we probably did something similar to what we do now. We probably tried to get them to like us. How else would you do it? And then um, probably there would be come time to time when there was this sort of sense um, that you really, really desired this one particular partner. And, of course, that's just a wiring thing. You're very attracted to people because of um you know adaptations um because uh, the species that were attracted to people that looked most different than them had a much more diverse gene pool and thrived uh, were much healthier so that's why we're sort of attracted to the exotic the, the whatever's different than us to you know people in asia the western looks exotic and the people in the west asian people and african people look exotic Because they're not in our clan. We didn't grow up with those faces. And that's what we're naturally attracted to because the ones of us that weren't died off because it's uh, better for the species to, you know, get get some strange. But once the church took over, just a few thousand years ago, probably about 6,000 years ago when there was really any kind of religious leadership, Um, And they started saying, you know, they started saying to each other, you know what? One thing we can't do, we can't have the masses following us around with their tongues waggling out of their heads, obeying us, doing any fucking thing we tell them to do, if they're just going to be going running off with each other every time one of them gets a fucking boner. So we have to figure out a system that makes them think that this perfectly healthy, natural thing that they want to do all day is sick and evil, uh, but God has regulated it so that they can only do it under certain circumstances. I mean, no wonder we're all just so fucking nuts. Just imagine if, you know, you woke up one day and that whole system was gone. And instead, everybody just acted like mature adults. Noble, honorable men and women, honest with each other. Now look here, darling, I've found someone new. Oh, very well, then. I shall be sad. I do wish you the best, then. Imagine such a fucking world. I know it sounds ridiculous, but imagine such a fucking world. It is sad to lose somebody you really want and somebody you really love. It's, it's heartbreaking. But you don't deserve them. You don't, you don't, uh, they don't owe you anything. If they're attracted to you and they love you and they want you, that's great. And if you can't do something to make them feel that way about you, then you're fucked. Move on. We need to just, uh, and, you know, part of this whole uh, weird-ass, synthetic, you know, manufactured, sick-ass fucking system the church made up is this concept of the one. We always hear people say, oh, my God, you know, uh, Louise, I think he's the one. And then, you know, Louise makes an appropriate squeal of delight. Oh, my God, the one, you know, the legendary, mythical, the one. Because if you only get to marry one, then there had better be uh the one. Because if you marry the wrong one, you know, it, you know, do you really people? Do you really think that the world is designed that for every man there's a perfect woman, and you just have to open your eyes to the Lord to find them? I mean, is really that the system, or is it just some kind of freakish miracle if you find somebody? Um, that, you know, is the right mix that's compatible uh, with your wacky-ass shit? Is that more likely the system? And for some people, they find it, and for some people, they don't, and for most people, it's just a a protracted, painful search. I think that's the most common system, and it always starts out the same way. (coughs)
7: Such a feeling that my love I can't hide, I can't hide, I can't hide. Yeah, you got that something. I think you'll understand.
0: won't come the whole night through your cheating heart will tell on you
6: that flew away. So many words we didn't say. Two people lost in a storm. Where did we go? Where'd we go? We lost what we both had found. You know, we let each other down. But then most of all, I do love you still. Or as Lionel Richie says it, he says it in a way I can't really say it. Got that whole, like, nigger lip thing going. And that's uh, the Commodores on Jester Radio with Still. Tried to stay away this evening from the sad uh, breakup music. We've been talking about um, this kind of wacky adaptation that we've made where we've turned uh, procreation into this, like, weird uh, obsession with all these bizarre rituals and obligations and uh, rights and... Uh, weird-ass cultural assumptions. Every relationship, you know, that a person is in has to have a goal, and the goal has to be to get married. But the reason I picked out that song, not because it's especially sad, which it is very sad, but it's also um, has this amazing lyric... Uh, we played the games that people play, and this is another game that we do a lot. We include the other person in everything that we, that we admit to. We only admit to it if we admit that the both of us did it. We were lost. We, so many of our dreams that flew away, words we didn't say. You know, who knows if the other guy, the chick did or didn't say what they had to say. Speak for yourself. But this line, uh, we played the games that people play. We we made mistakes along the way. Somehow I know deep in my heart you needed me because I needed you so desperately. So that's his verification. He knew deep in his heart. And how did he know? Because he needed her. What better proof is that? And this is so wrong on so many levels because, first of all, you don't know anything in your heart. Your heart is, is, a, is a blood pump and it has nothing to do with love or romance or anything like that. So it's okay for us to be poetical schmetico at times to express our feelings, but it's another thing to for that poetic view of the world to transfer over into delusion. And this is what religion promotes with this concept of big, you know, all-powerful monster in the sky that, you know, answers prayers and this loving uh, you know, hippie with robes uh, that, you know, gives you everything you want if you just pay the fucking guy on TV enough. Uh, And the angels flying around, you know, they they sort of promote this um, ridiculous um, fantasy view of the fucking planet. So, of course, people are so hung up on Uh, This shit. But the truth is, uh, you know, while it's nice to feel that the other person needs you, we don't know what anybody else feels. We don't know shit. We barely know what we ourselves feel. And the fact that we need that, that I need you so desperately is not confirmation of the fact that therefore you must need me. It seems that way, and of course, we're wired that way because it helps us rationalize, you know, how creepy we must seem to the other person with our fucking tongues wagging out. Uh, And we're also fucking wired, you know, not to see ourselves that way. So all of that's fine. Uh, But we still ultimately, you know, have control over how we act. And uh, those who strive for, you know, noble regard... Uh, and live by, uh, you know, a code of of nobility and ethics, um, you know, just don't behave that way. They don't make ridiculous promises that couldn't possibly, um, you know, nobody could possibly know that I'm going to want to live with you for the rest of my life. I couldn't, I don't know if I want to live with you for the next 10 years, I don't know if I want to live with you for, for an hour, I, know, I don't know shit. You know, how about in this day and age, what might be appropriate is, hey, let's give it a shot. Hey, do you want to be exclusive? Hey, do you want to move in? Hey, do you want to make a commitment? And then for everything that we commit to and everything, we step we take, we could always take a step backward without any kind of uh, weird, you know, cultural uh, stigma attached. So if you want, if you moved in with somebody, then you move out. Or if you're dating somebody, you could stop dating them. And everybody just is cool with that. I don't know. Just call me crazy. Imagine such a fucking world. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio this uh, Friday, July the 11th. The uh, prosecutor of the world's first permanent war crimes tribunal will seek an arrest warrant on Monday charging Sudan's president with crimes against humanity and genocide in Darfur. A move U.N. diplomats warned could bring a backlash from Sudan's government. Ooh, I'm shaking in my boots. Sudan's going to be pissed. Aren't those the people we see like in the desert, like with flies buzzing around them and the bloated stomachs? Isn't that the country? U.N. officials and diplomats said the chief prosecutor of the, of the International Criminal Court would seek an indictment charging Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir with orchestrating violence in Darfur that has left hundreds of thousands of people dead, Sudan's government reacted swiftly and angrily. If you indict our head of state, the symbol of our country, the symbol of our dignity, then the sky's the limit for our reaction. Sudan's UN ambassador, uh, Abdal al-Mahalim Mohammed, told Jester Radio today, it took like 45 minutes to get the name down we condemn it in the strongest of terms it will have far-reaching bad implications for the entire country
4: ooh
6: ooh i'm shivering china's un ambassador wang guanga the nation uh, uh, um whose nation is an ally of sudan expressed concern that bringing charges against al bashir could jeopardize peace talks and put peacekeepers and humanitarian aid workers in darfur at even greater risk one of these um, implications we have to consider, he said south africa 's u n ambassador uh, Dumasani Kamalo also cautioned that Darfurs and battle people could be left even less secure. The debate about the balance between justice, peace, and development is very uh, difficult one, he said, and indeed it is you know we have to decide what the fuck to do to help these poor people every it seems like every you know uh, overture that the world could make could have some damaging effect on the people The these these uh, thugs that run the country uh you know basically have the entire population of the country as hostages and when you know the the, the world pisses them off they start fucking you know just killing their own in a fucking you know random uh willy-nilly fashion they have absolutely no compunction whatsoever. And by the way, you know why they have no compunction? Because their fucking priests and their fucking imams tell them that God says it's okay. God wants them to do it. What do you want from life? Think about it. You're listening to the Ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. It's coming to you from a secret location outside your universe.
5: What do you want from life to kidnap an heiress or threaten her with a knife? What do you want from life to get cable TV and watch it every Tonight, how can you tell when you're doing all
4: right? Does your bank account swell?
5: Polly Bendham, a foolproof plan, and an airtight alibi. Real simulated Indian jewelry, a Gucci
3: shoe tree, a year's supply of antibiotics, a personally autographed picture of Randy Mantooth, and Bob Dylan's new unlisted phone number. A beautifully restored third Reich swizzle stick,
4: Rosemary's Baby,
0: a dream date in knee pads with Paul Williams. A new matador,
4: a new Mastodon, a maverick, a Mustang, a Montego, a Merc, Montclair. A
0: Mark IV, a Meteor, a Mercedes, an MG, or a Malibu, a Mort Moriarty, a Maserati, a Mack truck, a Mazda, a new Monza, or a Moped, a Winnebago, tell heard a herd Winnebago, we're giving them away, or how about a McCulloch Chainsaw, a Las Vegas wedding, a Mexican divorce, a solid gold Kamasutra coffee pot, or a baby's arm holding an apple.
8: I'd rather live a wrongdoing life Your mom and daddy say it's a shame It's a downright disgrace But long as I got you by my side I don't care what your people say Your friends tell you it's no future In loving a married man If I can't see you when I See you when I can If loving you is wrong I don't want to be right If loving you is wrong I don't want to be right Am I wrong to fall So deeply in love with you Knowing I got a wife And two little children Depending on The gentleness of the touch, knowing I got someone else at home who needs me just as much. And are you wrong to give your love to a married man? And am I wrong for trying to hold on to the best thing I ever?
6: Am I wrong to fall so deeply in love with you, knowing I got a wife and two little children depending on me, too? A- am I wrong to hunger for the gentleness of your touch, knowing I got somebody else at home who needs me just as much? What a fucking conundrum. And, you know, the the killer line in this whole fucking song is... And this is, by the way, there's no answer to the question, am I wrong? He just says, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Wow, such an amazing pull. Knowing how important being right is to us, the guy's saying, fuck it. I'll even give up you know, my ethics for this one. Because he says, are you wrong to give your love to a married man? Am I wrong? for trying to hold on to the best thing I ever had. I mean, it doesn't seem right to give up the best thing you ever had. If that's how it makes you feel, if being with this person makes you feel like it's the best thing you ever had, I think it's pretty stupid to give that up. So what's the, uh, and then all the sick shit happens. He feels nothing but guilt, morning, noon, and night, but yet he feels this, terrible passion and you know and then loneliness you know alternately uh joy and and misery uh going back and forth from relationship to relationship and then when it comes out god forbid you know you fucking dread the day the shit hits the fan it's like a bloodbath i mean sometimes more literally than even figuratively it's a bloodbath. And then you got to fucking go your separate ways. You're supposed to be angry and mean to each other. And then, you know, she fucking gets on the phone and says, would you believe he, he, he did all this thing? And then the people say, oh, he's just a pig. He's just a filthy, disgusting pig. You know, I never liked him. And then the fucking poor woman. And I'm just saying woman because it happens 50-50 either way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be chauvinistic about this. Believe me, I know it happens exactly both ways just as an example and then the fucking uh you know woman is thinking to herself yeah he's such a pig and then she thinks but then i you know she's thinking holy shit i fucked that pig for 16 years like what the hell is wrong with me i mean something's not right with that explanation that he's a pig is it really mean you're a pig when you feel like your relationship sucks and you go outside the relationship what's the pig about it is that we're all squeezed into this synthetic weird-ass system where just to have feelings for somebody else, much less to, you know, yield to them, is, um, you know, this horrible sin against God, of course, the guy who's going to judge you after you die. So you got all this shit on top of you and all the pressure of everybody around you feeling the same way, that it's some kind of mortal sin to fall out of love with somebody but imagine this imaginary world because what i'm trying to say is a lot of times people lie and get themselves into a problem because of this societal pressure because society doesn't give you an opportunity to act, enact out the following scenario imagine this future world i always like sort of think i'm putting on my you know like those dark brown lennon you know granny glasses and that the cab driver you know greek hat That John Lennon had, and I think of myself as going into Lennon mode, and and just imagining a world where instead, um, when you discovered you had feelings for somebody else, you go to your mate and you say, "I'm really unhappy in this relationship. I'm thinking about, um, you know, looking outside the relationship. So, I think I want to sort of, you know, back away from the exclusive thing." Um so this is what I'm saying we should go into relationships in steps and back out in steps and that and, and it should be cool either way we should start dating we should start living with we should start planning a family and a home and then be able to move backwards and forwards at any point imagine this world and the other person would say wow that really makes me sad i'm heartbroken um is there anything i could do to change your feelings and then maybe you say well yeah maybe you can i mean let's give it a shot or maybe you say i don't think so we tried or you know i just don't want to and i'm i'm feeling you know the other person you know then i mean both parties you know feels terribly sad it's a great loss you go through the requisite 19 stages of grief you know uh denial seven stages of rage you know uh and then another of denial. These are the slightly adapted jester, uh, not quite the uh, five uh, ones you're, you're used to hearing. But nevertheless, you go through this period of loss, and you move the fuck on. You have a little extra pint of ice cream, and uh, you tell your friends, you, you talk to your therapist, you take a couple of days off of work, and you move the fuck on. Let's not make it so that every time people move in and out of relationships, their entire life gets put on suspended animation and everything is thrown up for question and it's this major tragedy that causes, you know, the downfalls of kingdoms, literally. Let's just be cool about it. And if you're feeling wronged and you're feeling somehow ripped or gypped or or betrayed or lied to by the other person, check yourself. Is that what's going on in your romantic relationship with that person? Because if you're dealing with those kinds of feelings, this is not somebody you should be having sex with. This should be somebody you're negotiating a contract with and not on friendly terms. Because if you're at that feeling with somebody, then that's, let's face it, that's not love or any facsimile. Uh, Before that, we heard from uh, some other good stuff. Oh, the tubes. What do you want from life? When I was a kid, my parents didn't want me to go see them because they had naked chicks dancing on stage but I don't know. Somehow I talked him into it. It was art for art's sake, and my parents were very liberal. Police didn't have to go far to find 400 grand worth of cocaine. It was in an undercover car they'd been driving around in for months. An officer cleaning the car at a patrol station yesterday discovered the nearly 50 pounds of coke carefully hidden in hydraulically controlled compartments. They had like a hidden button. And when you pressed it, you hear like a, it was like a James Bond thing. And up came, popped out the Coke. <laughs> and they've been, you know, this was a car that they had like confiscated apparently from some bad guys. Cause now, you know, the government could just take your car when you break the law and they were using it as an undercover car. And this guy was cleaning it and he hit the button. These compartments have recently uh, been more and more popular with drug operations, said Deputy Chief Julian Bernal, commander of the Narcotics Division of the Dallas Police. The uh, They put the two-door 2004 Black Infinity into police service uh, back on May 7th after seizing it at a drug house. It had been found at a drug house earlier this year along with a 1999 Honda. Uh, Bernal said the Narcotics Division searched both vehicles, found nothing unusual about the seizure. Uh, The Honda was then sold into auction. Bernal said police plan to contact the person who bought the Honda to find out if drugs are hidden in that car too. Uh, They're also trying to find out who owned the cocaine that they have been driving around with all this time. Someone at the uh, St. Louis Missouri County Jail was flush with money apparently. A correctional officer at the intake facility at the St. Louis County Justice Center last week, found 55 grand, stuff behind the toilet paper dispenser. Get it flush. We just we do, we just we have nothing else to do all day, folks. The guy went into the he went into the jail. He goes, look, I'm I i got to piss like a son of a bitch. They were like, yeah, 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 go on, get in there. And he emptied his pockets out behind the toilet paper dispenser. The bundle of money was in hundred and fifty dollar bills. Said Clayton Police Chief Thomas Byrne officials interviewed inmates about the money, but nobody had any knowledge whatsoever about the cash. The money was placed in a special bank account until the owner can be determined, at which time they'll confiscate it from him. Uh, speaking of cocaine, canine cuisine is being uh, sent to the doghouse during next month's Beijing Olympic Games. Dog meat has been struck from the menus of officially designated Olympic restaurants. And Beijing tourism officials are telling other outlets to discourage the customers from ordering dishes made from doggy. Uh, according to the official Xinhua News Agency today, waiters and waitresses should patiently suggest other options to people who order dog. Uh, it said, quoting City Bureau of Vice uh, Director Zhang Zhumei, dog uh, in Chinese is known as zhingrao or fragrant meat is eaten by some Chinese for its purported health-giving qualities. Beijing isn't the first Olympic host to slap a ban on the dish. South Korea banned dog meat during the 1988 Seoul Olympics by invoking a law prohibiting the sale of foods deemed unsightly. (laughs) Can you imagine if they had that law in America? They'd have to close every McDonald's tomorrow. It just, I, I love these laws that are made by these uh, dictatorships. You know, they like make these wacky laws. It reminds me of that scene in Bananas where the guy starts saying, you know, everybody has to change their underwear on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then, you know, he says, and they have to wear it on the outside so we can check. You know, this is just what happens to people in power. They just say these, they uh, make these absurd um, laws. That just pop into their fucking head. You know, imagine if, you know, some like retard nine year old uh ran a country and shit pops into his head. Oh yeah, make it illegal to uh I don't know. Hey, you've been listening to the ravings of a clown on uh Jester Radio this Friday, july the eleventh. Extra special thanks to all those of you who spent a little some some part of your evening with us. Um, It is my best two hours of the day, and uh, I do uh, sure appreciate your stopping by. Um, As you know, I do this in lieu of therapy. And also, as you know, uh, I have no pants. A California state senator hopes to pump up the lottery's coffers by expanding prize offerings to include free gas. Yay, this is the government of Sacramento, California, who's already uh, exploiting the uh, poor with this um, state-sponsored lottery, should the government really be in the business of you know, engaging uh, the uh, poor people in gambling? Democrat Dean Flores said in a letter today to the California Lottery that such an offer would entice more people to buy lottery tickets. Yeah, let's give them free gas. He argues that would raise more money for schools because they are funded partially by the lottery. Lottery director John Barucchi said California can't afford to award free gasoline. That's because state law restricts how much lottery money can go towards the prizes, and gas prices are soaring to $5 a gallon throughout California. So, good idea, Charlie, but no. No, we can't afford to give away gasoline. We just have to give away these stinky old dollars instead. Hey, don't fuck with that dial. You're on the just the Radio. It's fog hat. Leave it where it is.
5: I don't want to be. I couldn't take another day like yesterday. I'm dead on my feet from walking the street. I need somebody to help me find my way. I've got to get out. different from anybody else. I start each day and I end each night it gets really lonely when you're by yourself. Now where is love and
0: who is love? I gotta know.
6: All right, that'll do. The Pepperidge family, I mean uh, the Cousels, I mean the Partridge family on just radio. Let me tell you, man, if you were alive in 1971, this is what you got on the radio. This is what they had. This one and the uh, I'll Meet You Halfway was another um, top ten tune off this album, although it seems kind of slightly dated now, perhaps. Uh, The sentiment is you know, just uh, ancient. You know, we get to this uh, point of desperation where we go, okay, who, anybody, let's go, whoa. Is there nobody? You know, there's this sort of horrible feeling when you live in this uh, culture. Uh, When you're not hooked up with somebody, there's this awful feeling that you're just not part of the club. And everybody just says, oh, you're single? Oh, hmm. Are you... Gay? Damaged? Stupid? Retarded? Poor? What's the story? What's going on? That's, you know, that's the way people see you when you're single. Not as a choice, but as like a, you know, a victim. Jeff Buckley before that, I want someone so badly... And Foghead started that set with uh, good old common sense. I just want to make love, and is that really what 's driving us? Is that what that chemistry is again? I uh take you on a journey uh through a uh, imagined uh, hypothetical world where you know we 're driven um by of course our you know need to procreate because those of us that were born without that wiring. Uh, didn't <laughs> uh, and didn't live on. So it's just survival of the fattest, I mean, fittest, for the ones who came, who were born wired uh, with that malfunction to really, really, you know, be attracted to somebody in, in a state where, you know, like uh, Luther Ingram said, um, it's so strong that it even, you know, takes precedent over our sense of right and wrong. Everything. If loving you is wrong, fuck that shit of right and wrong. I don't care. I'd rather lead a wrongdoing life. There you go, boom, the whole thing down the toilet. Happy to, because this is what I'm wired for. So if the if the if the desire or the um, attraction is so strong. Um, then this is obviously how we're wired. This is how we're made. So we should be in a, a world again. Imagine a world where we're in relationships and we can move in and out of them in stages and say, you know, I don't want to be intimate with you. You could actually live in the same house. You could actually live in the same bed. We're fucking adults. Imagine this world now um where you could say hey you know i'm not cool being you know intimate with you you know i do like you a lot still respect you a lot let's you know work out our lives together or apart but for now i'm you know i'm i'm interested in somebody else and i'm still living with you and i hope cool things happen to you i just don't want to you know move forward with that and then imagine it can go back the other direction you know i've been thinking about it let's give it another shot i've i've been feeling you know, you've been working hard on shit, you know, and... But the problem is, is that although evolution brings us to this point where we are very strongly attracted, we have this, you know, very strong desire at times for another individual, um, the flaw in that system, of course, is the fact that the other person's not necessarily programmed to fall in love with you they could fall in love with somebody else, and they then somebody else, and this is really more like what we got, like a whole sort of chain going on, where people are always um, have feelings for each other that intermingle, I think that's kind of like probably more sort of natural um, thing to have happen. I know somebody who suggests that we should instead of marrying people, we should go into like discrete contracts like 10 years at a time, and then we could re-up after 10 years, but that sort of seems artificial to me, too. It would sort of seem like if I, if we were reasonable adults, we could say hey i 'm not cool with this anymore, or i don 't think you know it 's working out, and this is what I want to do and The other person could say well i 'm really unhappy about it. I was hoping we could work it out i 'm going to be sad for a while i 'm um, going to go cry to my mommy and then i 'll get better but i 'm not nine, but you know society just promotes this sense of Total devastation. Something horrible has happened. You, you know, people feel guilty and people are angry and they're filled with rage. It seems to be the only time in a person's life where it's totally excusable to act like a fucking complete retard. Vicious, mean, uh, unethical, lying, stealing. Why? This was all fucking invented by the church. Who else do we look for this type of, you know, interpersonal maladaptation than the fucking church. Because it's not really the natural way for us to live with each other. We should all be much more polite and considerate of each other, much more honest. And we can't be polite and honest with the system that we have. With this system that tells us that at the age of, you know, 19 or 14 or 23 we're supposed to know who we're going to want to live with the next 70 years and how we're going to feel and what person we're going to be um, and if even if we don't fucking like him we're going to stay with him anyway that's just stupid that doesn't even make sense I don't say. I don't see that being a workable way do you? Anyway, thanks so very much for uh, stopping by this uh, Friday, July the 11th, the year of our Lord, 2008. I'll tell you a little secret, folks, and this is the God's honest truth. I have come to learn after all this time, and I've never been out of a relationship literally since I was 12 years old. Never not been in a relationship, except for this past year. So I could sort of tell you from... A real kind of centered, balanced, or at least a lot more centered and balanced place um, than I was all those years. Um, that it really doesn't mean shit. It's very cool to have somebody in your life. It really makes um, a beautiful addition. It makes you know a lot of things feel um, a lot better. Certainly we're wired. To want to be with somebody. But let's just not make such a big fuss out of it. If you're in a relationship, great. If you're not, you know, do something else with your fucking time. And you know, personally, if you ask me, I, I don't give a shit. All I want to be with is you. I don't know what it is that makes me love you so, but I sure do. Good night. See you tomorrow.